Hello, you're listening to a spoiler-filled film conversation. Hooray! Time to is that that is how Yu-Gi-Oh starts, right? The theme to Yu-Gi-Oh. It's not the start; it's like oh. in the middle. It's the cool bit where they do it instrumentally. Mm. Anyway, so hello, I'm Richard. With me to do spoiler film film conversation this week and usually. Did I say hooray? Hooray! Um, <laughs> it is suitably fitting that this has already gone off a cliff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's also great that such a such an efficient film has, oh. has already caused such a derailed discussion. Anyway, so I was watching Do, <laughs> and my colleagues, uh, Abigail, Hello. Anthony, Hello, Jamie. <laughs> oh, here comes. The... <laughs> <laughs> it sounded like you're about to go into some sort of wrestling theme. Was it, did Diesel from WWE have like a? I think so. Yeah, he had that, and also Tugboat would just go. Oh yeah. Which is and wore a little hat. Yeah, Tugboat. Tugboat. He used to be called something like Tsunami or something. What was he called? Typhoon. Uh, Typhoon. Typhoon. Yeah. yeah, and then he and changed earthquake. his tugboat. And they dressed him up in like a weird sailor uniform, and <laughs> he had a hat on. Just a fat man in a, in a in a costume that looked like a carrier bag, <laughs> with a little fucking sailor hat. Wrestling's what? the best. Anyway, sorry. So I was watching the deal with these guys. <laughs> Not the duel. That's the thing. We need clarity, guys. I've remembered. We watched 1971's Duel, uh, but Jamie picked it, so clarify, because it's not the film that's on Netflix called The Duel, and it's not that other movie about an actual duel with guns called Oh, the yeah, another, a... another debut, the Ridley Scott movie. Rig- Rig- Ridley Scott or Wrigley Scott? Wrigley. Wrigley Worm. Makes uh, the chewy. Oh, he does make the chewing gum. That's that, Rig- Rig- Rigley- Rigley Scott. Oh, anyway. <sighs> yeah, his first name is there's a guy called Scott who makes Rigley's chewing gum. And he's called <laughs> Rigley's Scott. Christ. This is bad. I wish you could mute other people on course. Oh. <laughs> I wish I knew how to edit a podcast better. <laughs> anyway, Jamie, please give the details of Duel. So, okay. Duel. Oh, God. Hang on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's just the way you had to take a moment, take a fucking, take a knee just to get straight to read, like, what the... Oh, uh, I can feel is. another, like, laugh coming. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to recover. <laughs> right, right. So we've all watched, we've watched Duel. Jamie. We're all watching Duel, yeah, uh, which is from 1971, and uh, is a TV movie which I actually didn't realise even after I'd watched it on TV. Um, presumably, and... you fucking weirdo. Oh. I watched. Well, does Amazon count as TV? It's t- they're all everything's TV now, isn't it? Yeah. Um, anyway, from 1971 is the debut film of Steven Spielberg, 
which uh, if these are coming out in order, the previous episode is Hook. So uh, this is a pleasant palate cleanser from that fucking disaster. <laughs> or um, another hit along the road of Spielberg <laughs> movies. Um, so yeah, directed by Steven Spielberg, uh, written by Richard Matheson, which I also didn't know, based on his uh, short story. In a Playboy. Uh, <gasps> yeah, that's 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 where a lot of people would get uh, short stories published. Because, uh, you know, it's um... something that men would reliably read. <laughs> I hear also they have titillating photographs of sexy women. But I do. I also look at mine for the literature as well. <laughs> uh, it stars Dennis Weaver, his red car, and a big truck. <laughs> make it sound like he personally I mean, owned it. I, uh, yeah, Dennis I mean, Weaver, a car, and a truck are in it. it and a road? Like, lots of road, lots of desert. Um, yeah, I mean, there's not a ton to talk about the story it's literally a, a business a businessman driving through the desert overtakes a massive intimidating truck and the truck decides to run him off the road at any cost and yeah. it's just an hour and a half of basically a guy being stalked by and chased by a truck yeah, and it's, it's kind of fucking great <laughs> there's one thing that annoyed me no, it's that that truck clearly says flammable. Ah, well, you've you've, you've sorry. Yeah, Abby, Abby, <laughs> you've you've landed in the the I would call it the dad trap of every dad who watches this and sees the word flammable on that truck goes, well, we know where this is going, <laughs> and is very disappointed when the flammable truck does not explode or catch on fire. I feel like it's purely because they probably couldn't afford the pyrotechnics to blow it up. Well, I, th- I think uh, Spielberg justified it as he thought it was a more artful, it was like a really artful shot of the tr- truck. It's it also more does... realistic. Like, things exploding yeah. is quite um, rare, in a sense. I... There are action movies all the time, but, like, reality, uh, things just um, leak, and then people type tape it off and go, oh, shit. I'll, I mean, I suppose we'll talk about it when we get to it, but I actually have, I actually liked the fact that the truck didn't blow up because I was fully expecting it to mm. as a dad who was watching this and saw mm. Flammable on the truck. Okay, so buck in my thesis. But Abby, do you... Is it a deal-breaker? I mean, is it just that you... you as a, as like a... You, in the writing, you were like, well, obviously, you're foreshadowing here. It says Flammable twice on the truck. That's the thing. I think it was because it was so prominent. Mm. That's the obvious thing to do, though, isn't it? Subverted. Anyway, you're right, Jamie. It is a film about a car and a truck, and there's not much else, and it is very good. But let's get into it a bit more, because there's some weird little bits about it. Obviously, you picked it for a reason. What would that be, then? Um, I'd never seen it, and it's one of those films that I had known about forever. Like, I... We talked a little bit about it on the Hook episode, that, like, I've been a like I'm a fan of Steven Spielberg and I've seen you and everyone mo- bloody else am I right guys bloody yeah. Spielberg not, um, not me though I only like every other one of his films but I like I think most of us have seen most if not all of his films all probably of his multiple times maybe fucking um, hell I mean Minority Port let's go through them all one by one guys raise, raise your voice <laughs> right Minority <laughs> Report. Scream into the Jesus. microphone if you Abby, Abby did sneeze very loudly off. <laughs> 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 
Have you seen the terminal? Ugh. Have so you... they're not all Fourteen ninety two. The first episode of Columbo. How did you get that wrong? I don't know, I haven't watched that one. Nineteen forty two. Makes more sense oh. seeing as it's about the war. As also discussed on the Hook episode, they're not all winners. Um but you know, when when they are, they really are. And um I'd always known this film existed and I'd always known like what the basic plot was, but for some reason I just never like sat and watched it. So I decided it was it was time. Also, I should say we watched the f- theatrical version that like it was a TV movie which was like an hour or something and then when it was so successful they were like yeah. oh let's fucking uh pr- pr- promote it as like a f- feature film put it in cinemas overseas and then apparently something to do with the Brit- us the Brits are like um uh, it has to be 90 minutes to be a film yep. have you seen yeah. Mary Poppins that's well long and then <laughs> and then they were like oh I guess we'll film some extra bits and you go oh good because the extra bits are quite add a whole different well, they had they had a lot more to it, I think. Um, but yeah, they had to extend it for the theatre. I was um, we watched that. I one. was I was surprised when I found out what the extra bits were. Um, like I I would have thought they would just be some like padding, but they are actually yeah they're they're like fairly significant. Well, we won't we won't get to that now. Let's let's just cover what we were expecting. So this wasn't fresh turf for you. You're excited and interested. Offer the fact that Spielberg's like the director that everyone thinks of when you say film director. Although and, I, th- I and think producer. Yeah, he's, I was going to say like he's actually, actually produced more things than he's directed, but he's yeah, produced he's, a and fuck he's actually, ton. He's, actually, he's produced some really big, like you know, you can talk about how he's made huge movies as a director, but he's produced some really significant ones as well. Um, all I can think of right now is Gremlins and Animaniacs, but you know. You so, can look it up. You've picked the, you plucked the most mainstream ones there. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, the you know, Bible the... goes west. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> like his directorial uh, films, they're not all winners. Yeah, Schindler's List. I mean, come on, the Nazis weren't that bad, were they? <laughs> <laughs> no, Schindler's List is good. I was thinking, like, I don't like Spielberg that much. But I don't like his big, big hits like Indiana Jones. I don't care about. I know, like the the majority of people love the big ones, like Indiana Jones, E.T., Jaws. I like. I'm not mad, <laughs> you know. I but uh, I'm more of a. Counts as a third kind. I haven't seen that one. Really? But, okay. Yeah. No, you got me. I have seen it. I just <laughs> I forgot that the mashed potato alien thing is interesting. Is it? Is that what it is? Mashed potato aliens? Yeah. Yes. Uh, What's the gist? Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Ah, anyway, I Spielberg I dismiss as not liking, but I actually like I actually like quite a few, like Jaws and the the Terminal, this, even though it's rubbish, <laughs> and uh, Minority Report. And... He's made so many films across so many different genres. There is going to be something in there that someone's gonna like. If even if they say they don't like Steven Spielberg. What about uh, What about you, Anthony? You um. I mean, we've we have talked Spielberg a little bit. Uh, are you a big hit? You like his big hits like uh, Jurassic Park and ET and stuff, or mostly? I'm not. I can't say I'm a huge fan of um, ET no. and Close Encounters. Like I appreciate them, um, but I'm not a huge fan. But on the whole, I I don't. I, I, he's 
pretty good. I haven't seen many where I'm like, this is awful, you know. Some people are really, some people really hate like I don't know, Temple of Doom or what's, I can't remember. Not very. I think some people do get a bit fucked off with Spielberg because probably it's because of he's he's such so mainstream, isn't he? He's very like he kind of invented blockbusters like by making Jaws like a massive smash. Yeah, I mean. Okay. Yeah. Just yeah. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I just said. But Anthony, have you seen Duel before? Uh, I I I had seen it before. Uh, at least a part, partly. I I didn't remember it. Um, it's about a car and a truck. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. But bit? it was just like it was on late at night, and it was back in the day when you had like tiny TVs and. Everything was still being broadcast in well, standard definition. So it, so it was when just I, like when the I original first... experience then of when people sat down in in America. Sorry, I go saw. on. Yeah, but when I, when I first watched it, it did look like a TV movie, and I was I don't think I was quite old enough to appreciate it because I just remember it being it look I just remember it looking cheap and kind of being boring and slow. That's the thing. I'd imagine if. If you don't come in at the beginning of this film, you come in somewhere in the middle, you think that there's going to be a different context for this chase than there is. Mm. And then you're waiting for it to resolve, and it doesn't. Well, if you come in midway through, you might think it's the Incredible Hulk, because they reused footage from this. They yeah, they yeah. took bits of stock footage to just pad out the Hulk rather than film something new, which uh, Spielberg <laughs> did not like. But, you know, the studio owned the film and Hulk so fuck fuck you Spielberg and uh, I have I have heard more about it in in the meantime and I, I was kind of curious to watch it again was kind of expecting it to be you know a little cheap looking and slow but I did get you know I did get my hand on the HD version which makes it look great I will say it does not look like a TV movie in HD at all yeah um but other than that, the only thing I can... I, I always remembered a joke from, like, Red Dwarf about someone getting hit in the head with a VHS copy of Duel. <laughs> and, for, and for some reason, that's always what I think of when someone <laughs> says, like, Duel. I don't know why. But still, coming back into it, kind of interested to see Steven Spielberg at the beginning. Yeah. And then uh, I also noticed it was written by Richard Matheson, and I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, okay. I, I'm a big fan of reading Playboy articles as well. <laughs> Love this. Can't wait to see how that gets adapted. Oh. Also, he was 21 when he made this, which to me at least makes that more impressive he than was, it already is. He was Not only that, but he like he shot it in 12 days. I know, that's yeah. crazy. I hadn't done anything at 21. I guess I he, he, in fairness, he, he, did it, he did it in 12, 12, 12 days, but then also there were extra bits they added on, so... You know, the theatrical version. Not oh, so points quick. off. Points off, Spielberg. <laughs> yeah, 21, Jamie, you'd, uh, did you, you like, learn how to make spaghetti bolognese or something, or for the first time? What was you? 21 was when I started university, started, my first year. Started kissing like, girls. <laughs> what, three, <laughs> three years later than most other people I knew. Ah, don't worry, buddy. There's no, no, no time like the past. That's what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, so yeah, well, well done, Spielberg, making us all feel bad and 
you're a millionaire, so fuck you. Um, Abby. Yeah. What were you expecting? Abby, as our only non-driver, what were you expecting from a film about the machinations of driving? I was expecting to sit slightly to the left of my TV and <laughs> to watch it from a passenger position. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> Idly I... flicking through a magazine, not really paying attention. I... Um... I didn't expect a whole lot. Like, I'd obviously heard of it, and I knew, like, a sort of paragraph's worth about it. But That's other... what it is, really. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, I, did, I didn't expect very much of it. Because it's very much... It's the experience. You can't convey this film mm. in a way that sounds good. Oh, so that's the podcast, basically pointless now. Yeah. No. I mean, like, like I was explaining it to Urban at work actually, and as I was saying through this, it's like this sounds like the shittest thing. Sounds like a car <laughs> ride that was a bit tense, but you know, man with a mustache feels like a massive cuck <laughs> as a big flammable rusty truck bullies him. Cucked by a truck. Cuck truck. That's what it should right. be called, right? Not do title in it. Yeah. Cuck truck. Spending like a, an hour or so explaining it. I did not have that luxury at work. I had about five minutes. Well, let's indulge ourselves and just well, spend like, about an hour discussing it. Back when back when Fury Road came out, one of the criticisms some people had was, "Who oh, doesn't have a plot?" It's like, uh, yeah, yeah, they drive 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 down the road and they drive back. It's fine. Yeah, what else do you need? It's like you you, it's just a basic premise to hang stuff on. Yeah, like many. Pregnant brides. <laughs> you just hang and them that off a guy big truck. And the big stick. Yeah, you dangle yeah, a few Hulk. people and uh, and a guitarist with a flamethrower guitar and yeah, just people dangling from cars. It's like Cirque du Soleil, the road movie. It's great. <laughs> but it's the same thing with this. It's like if you know, you can say it was just a guy in a truck. Like yeah, that's that is the po- like that's you can't you can't say it doesn't have a plot if the intent was there with what it is. Like, it was deliberately made this way. Well, it's also, you know, artfully called duel, because it's not, you know, it's not... They don't duel each other, they don't get out lances or something and come at each other. Well, they do come at each other, but, but you know, it's not a literal sword fight or a, or a, or a shootout. But I guess it's evoking that idea. But also, I think the other theme that I picked up on, uh, particularly this time re-watching it, um, having seen it before... Er, obviously, Rich, that's what rewatching it means. Uh, anyway, this time round, I was like, there's kind of a theme of impotency to this. Mm. Like, cuckold, impotency, and like, I think the first bit, like this mustachioed, uh, I think he's called Man, isn't he? Something like David, David Man. Man, yeah. Because he's a man, it could be anyone. So, this David Man chapter just has to make a fairly routine drive. To, I think he's going to, like, go talk to someone about an account he's supposed to get in some tedious. It's some uh, vague business stuff, yeah. Yeah, some mid, some middle class type job that he has to make a work trip for, and so he like drives out of the city and he's listening to talk radio, and the talk radio is about some guys like whinging about having to fill in the census and going, well, well the thing is, I'm I'm such a fucking prick with in a shit marriage that I'm yeah. not sure. Like, what's he? He doesn't want to put down I'm the head of the household because I 
My fucking no, bitch wife is like in charge. Well, he doesn't have a job or something. His wife is the one who works. Like she's the breadwinner, and he's filling in the census, and he's worried that <laughs> if he if he puts himself as the head of the household down. Uh, you know he's lying on the census, but he also doesn't want to put her down because it's like well, I'm, I'm the man the of the house. I'm the yeah, <laughs> but you're not. Which is it's. <laughs> so I up. really liked the the long beginning sequence of just hearing all the little like snippets of yeah. radio and especially the talk radio stuff, just because like... it's a very familiar experience yeah. if you're on a long drive. Also, I like the fact that the radio presenter she was just like, just if you don't think you're the head of the household, don't put that down. It's fine. Like, it's only if, no one gives a shit, it's anonymous, you dickhead. Like, none of your friends and family will know that you're a fucking big old bitch cuck whose fucking and wife start, is the breadwinner. Then he starts hitting on her, like, <laughs> on the phone call. It's such a, it's a, and it's just there. You saw it's background noise, partly. And then, so, like, that, that sort of sets the seat, that puts in notion that the idea of, like, not being as masculine as tradition. Yeah, or being something. powerless and. Yeah, and then our, our driver, David Mann, sort of, he ends up being an allegory for not standing up for yourself. Like, he tries occasionally, he's sort of forced into it. But the biggest impotency thing, I think, skip, we'll just skip around and talk about whatever we want, I think, because it is just man drives road, truck bullies him. Um, yeah. But it's the school bus bit where uh, David Mann is, like, a bit stressed out from having a truck bully him on the road. And he, he pulls up to there's a bunch of there's like a pulled there's like a uh, yellow school bus classic uh, one with loads of kids on the roadside and the bus driver pulls him over and it's like oh can you give me a fucking push mate and you're like what you're a bus why didn't you ask the truck he's like oh maybe I didn't see the truck is the truck real does anyone think the truck is a ghost or a monster no because that... other people then see it I thought it was gonna do that whenever whenever he said oh I must have missed it I was like oh is this gonna be like a Ghost truck. He's the only one who sees the truck, but then the truck turns up the tunnel and um, actually pushes the school bus as well. Like the truck, like other people interact with the truck as well. So it is and definitely when it real. Smashes through that gas station full of exotic animals. Yes, so <laughs> maybe my favourite scene. <laughs> I like I like Abby that there's there's a gas there's a couple of gas stations and they're quite you know middle of nowhere quirky gas stations or, or cafes and stuff but this woman's like oh yeah I've got a gas business what I have I keep loads of cages in a big yard separate I've got like a little nothing zoo here well, like a tied up coyote <laughs> lizards yeah, I've trapped snakes dangerous animals that I've trapped in the desert like tarantulas and rattlesnakes and that's where we'll pop a phone booth and I like that. I like that David when he's like, "It's a weird place for a phone booth." It's like, yeah, probably because directing this, they needed to have a truck crash through it. Uh, <laughs> so, it, um, like Bill and Ted, we're going to put the the thing a little bit uh, more away from where it would be for the telephone I will say, booth to be used. Um, this is, and I liked. That's a good example of. There's a few bits in this film where it just adds some of the like weirdness that you do see especially on like a long trip through this like this part of the US there are these little like outposts where people just sort of exist almost in the middle of nowhere and kind of create their own little Gibbics. weird life like pocket of life like mm. yeah the woman with the roadside zoo or you'll be driving and there'll be a thing saying 
oh, pull in and and see the mummy, and it like someone's just dug up a corpse that they found yeah. in the <laughs> desert that was like mummified, so they put it in a glass cage, and they're like, ooh, what is it? It's a I, I mysterious a, mummy. Like I, I was a little bit disappointed that the truck and uh, David in his car didn't go to the world's biggest ball of twine, <laughs> pull in, <laughs> pull in car park or something. And Anthony, did you uh, think there were going to be any supernatural elements to this? Like, I mean, there's generally a tone of that the truck is a monster, but were you expecting it to have like a twist where it was like fucking Twilight Zone or anything? No, I, I, I don't think so. I mean, Richard Matheson is generally like a sci-fi writer, um, so the possibility could have always been there. Plus, Steven Spielberg is very good at adding in a, a mystical quality to his work here and there. But no, um, like the thing that got me about this film is it's so like how do I put it? Like it's I don't want to say realistic. But with movies like this, it's I, I'd say a horror suspense hmm. um, kind of thing. Well, like with movies like this, it um, it always has to up its game. You know what I mean? Yeah. As the, as the movie goes on and on and on, and by that time it gets ridiculous. Hmm. So, and one of the main problems that they have is for that to happen. Your anta- your um, protagonist generally has to do stupid things sure. in order to get there. Um, but the thing that got me with this film is that it just there were there were there were very few, if no, decisions that he made or situations that he was in where I'm like, okay, you've done the wrong thing there. Yeah, you know, it tried like, very not, hard. That's not what you would do in real life. It tried to make it so that you could relate to it and believe every Mm. decision David made. Like, you may not have done the same thing. Like, once the fucking truck was bumping my car, I'd be pulling over and settling this in the fucking road. Like, you might be a bit intimidated. You don't want to, like, fight a trucker, potentially. So you could understand a man being like, well, I'm not going to fight the guy, so I won't pull over. I'm a bit scared. I was like, you bump me. I'm not going to go faster. I'm going to slow the fuck down. And if you bump me again, this is ending very fucking soon. Like this does not escalate in in my world. I am he, being killed does, by a trucker at the side of the road trying to confront him. <laughs> he does try though later on. Whenever yeah. he like, whenever the there's, um, I think I mentioned the the the, the roadside zoo, but I think my Ooh, actual the cops are here, guys. Scene... Yeah, I know. I that's just really loud. Um, or is it pest control like the film? They oh yeah Spielberg backwards on the car. Um, I don't know if anyone else noticed that. No, yeah, yeah, that was like the weird, like David tries to pull in and get the cops, and it turns out it's just some fucking guy yeah, um, weird car but, with pest with no, his, yeah. the the um the scene where the truck has like he he comes upon the truck and it's pulled over and he tries to go past it and it like pulls into the road, so he just stops and gets out of the car to sort of consider, and then he walk he starts walking towards the truck. And the truck starts to drive away. I yeah. like. I I really like the idea that like no, you can't do this on foot. Like the truck will just drive off and wait. The, the for truck. You to the truck will the not. Again. The truck driver and the truck will never let you get what you want. Is the yeah. general conceit, mm. isn't it? But it, I, like, you're right. Every turn that you go, well, 
he like there's just never a moment where you go oh that's bollocks like there, it's yeah. bollocks that a truck would try and kill you endlessly you might get a bad driver you might get a vindictive guy but you're not going to get the truck that mows down you in a telephone booth and then tries to like you know like you're not going to get the serial killer truck guy necessarily uh, i mean unless you're going to reel off all the serial killer, killer truck guys jamie <laughs> There is a there's this the thing that this this film or this story as well I guess does really well is it it plays on a very like kind of mundane but also real fear that I think a lot of people who have especially driven like or been been in a car at long distance have felt at some point the um, I um, I actually do have an experience that's not quite you know the same as this yeah but there was a i was driving at night um and it was a long drive and i was behind a big you know pro- like one of the big 18 wheeler like trucks mm. um and i overtook it and then he overtook me as like uh fuck you you can't and then i ended up like overtaking again Mm. And I wasn't like, oh, yeah, let's race. I was just like, no, because he overtook me and then he slowed down. Well, that's it. Like, um, trucks and lorries generally have to go a bit slower on highways and Yeah, so, and so he was going slower. I overtook him. He sped up and overtook me and then slowed down again. And it happened, like, three times. Yeah. And I was like, oh, if I, do, if I overtake him again, he's going to run this me is... off the road. Like, this is going to be dual. That's the thing. Yeah. Is it starts like, with that relatable premise of yeah. we've all we except Abby have all probably experienced people being a bit just road etiquette that's wrong and annoying and people who are dicks or are up your ass in a car or are doing exactly what Jamie described. I guess Abby, for you, were there, could you understand and relate? It's like you you know you're obviously not used to like looking in a mirror and you don't quite know the ins and outs, but it must have been. Is it a universal thing, this dickhead drivers? Did it, did, it, did it work? Did it slowly crank up the tension for you like it did us? Oh, yeah, I, like, it was tense, but I don't have that extra little spark of having something like that happen to me. Like, it's not preying upon a thing that yeah. I've experienced like it would it's be for other people. It's a, it's a very... It's a very, like, specifically American story. Like, the way it's done in this film is very American. Like, the the location and playing on the, like, isolation of, you know, driving long, like, a long drive through the middle of nowhere in the US where, like, if the driver had run him off the road, no one would have known where he was yeah. or like, what was... Like, it's, an, it's part of what plays really well into making it as tense as it is. Yeah, there's, it's so isolated, like to the point where I think we see a couple of cars every now and again, and obviously a, there's pull-ins and cars, but it, it's it, it, like hardly any shot has anything in, like not even houses or like everything is just yeah. dirt and expansive bits of nothingness, and then road. So it is literally a duel between a car and a truck, and that, that yeah it feels deliberate. It doesn't feel like oh we just happened to film in a really empty area. Yeah, no, it's obviously it's, a plan. Yeah, it's, it's not exactly a, a film that would work in the UK. 
<laughs> I mean, you drive five miles in a direction and you're somewhere, like... Good luck pulling yeah, around but... something as well. If you get stuck being a tractor, yeah. all the roads are tiny and wind everywhere. <laughs> yeah. You just, that's... The film Duel in the UK is essentially the film Lock with fucking... Uh, like, the film Lock oh, with... Oops, Tom Hardy. Yes, I was searching for Tom Hardy's name. I don't know what he was. And his bizarre attempt at a Welsh accent. Yeah, it's not quite right, but he tried. <laughs> but then the whole... That's a, that's another incredible minimal film where it's just... Yeah. Okay, so in, in in Britain, we're not having other drivers be dickheads, but I will have a really tense conversation about pouring concrete. And it's just well, like, it's... how is this a film? But it works. Yeah, it's not... It, you don't have... You know, there's obviously long drives in the UK, but you always there's always a service station. It's always it, also everyone seems to know a service station and have a favourite. Yeah, everyone's true. always like, oh, I love, I love, oh, I love Lee Dillon there. there. Everyone likes Lee yeah. Dillon there. <laughs> <laughs> what is it about Lee Dillon there? Fucking the right organic pasties or something? I don't know. Really I don't know. nice shit. I don't know. It's just nice. Like if you compare Lee Dillon there to someone like Mago, you're like, ah. Oh. See, we're fucking doing it now. <laughs> <laughs> but the, there's, in the UK, there's just every... There's always the potential to drive off into a town or somewhere. Yeah. There's never that mass... Like, in Scotland, I've been on the some of the longer roads in Scotland. But you can kind of see farms and shit. There's no just nothing. Just absolutely... Yeah. Like, there's no... You can always tell... I mean, you might go through a, a while when you're in, like, hills or valleys or something. But, like... Fundamentally, it's not going to last forever in the same way this kind of solves. Yeah, there's, there's something uniquely scary about driving through somewhere like New Mexico where it is just, there's nothing, and you can see the little fuel gauge getting down to E, and you're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> like, this this may be the end of me. <laughs> yeah, where am I even going to walk to, and for how long, yeah. But so and yeah, that's why he ended, I think that's why he ended up at the very end of the film just sitting on that rock. It's like the end of the thing where it's like, well, we may have defeated the bad guy, but we're still fucked and in the middle of nowhere. And possibly the thing. Oh, maybe he's become the evil truck driver at the end. No. Um, but one, one, one of the... Like, I was trying to justify my theme of our uh, impotency <laughs> and cuckoldedness. <laughs> Fucking hell. You and can't I, just go arr, and expect no one to reference it. I know we were talking a little bit about pirates before we started recording, but I didn't realise it was going to bleed in. It, oh, it, it's an Adam and Joe thing. They they um and uh, but they made a point of making it really deliberate because they they got so tired of doing it that they go arr, on purpose to <laughs> highlight the um or the r. Anyway, arr, <laughs> the school bus uh, scene, which was added in later really helps highlight the mm-hmm. floppy cock syndrome the the i don't know being cuckolded vibe and i, I you you mentioned it in, like very quickly jamie but essentially there's a lot in that scene because eh, the children are all brats and instantly sit on his car and it's that yeah. it's really all whenever children are in the potential to bully an adult it's, yeah. it's so uncomfortable. <laughs> it's like get off the car; and they're not listening, and the bus dr- the other adult isn't doing anything about it. But anyway, he's like he pulls it. He's reluctantly helping this prick bus driver, who's like, "Oh, it's fine. Just put." Has anyone ever thought of shoving another vehicle with their car? I'd be like, "No, are you are you insane? I'll push with my hands if you if if I'm capable to push a car or something, but I am never going to bumper to bumper shove another car. I'll just scrape and bump my car up. That's to me. Well, that seems insane. Cars are, 
like he it's his cars are really like old school um wacky racer. design and it has that like met that big metal uh bumper thing on the front yeah but you don't want to scrape it up pushing a school bus do you well, it, wasn't he pretty bumped up by then already? The driver might have looked at him and gone, oh, you don't care about your car. Yeah, that's maybe. <laughs> you, don't, you don't mind kids sitting on it, right? You haven't objected once to the kids and then later on you me would... jumping on it. I was saying, um, you know, what I was saying just now about this being a, ver- a very American story, I will say that whole sequence of just him being incapable of telling the kids off yeah. was also was very British. Like that whole sequence of like, well, I can't. Oh no, it's a group of kids, and they're all ten years old, and I'm a grown man, but I'm still very intimidated. And I also, if I lose my temper, I look like there's no scenario you you can't win in any. And even when they get in the fucking school bus, he is reluctantly shoving it, despite clearly going, "Well, my car might go under your bumper," and and it does, and you're like, "I fucking told you," and he's like, he's like latched onto the bus, and it it didn't. He he fails miserably to push the bus, and it's just like, oh. So pathetic after all the shit he went through, and now this, and the kids are all being absolute bored dickheads, like giving him like yeah. all kinds of gestures, and he's just like, "Oh, fuck you, day," and it, and then and then the truck reappearing, the truck that's been bullying him appearing in the darkness of a tunnel ahead, he freaks out, and then he's like, he's and when he's like, "Oh, the kids all get out," when the bus driver realizes he's failed, yeah. and he's ushering them back in, I he gets he gets at that. That actually, Anthony, that might be one of the times where, like, do you start trying to force the children back in the bus physically, telling them there's a fucking serial killer truck driver? What do you reckon? Do you overstep the realistic line? No, I don't. I, I don't think so. Because, like, at that at that point, you know, you, you can see like the panic in him, and he doesn't know that you know this guy isn't capable of just mowing down all these yeah. kids. He might be as well. Like the truck driver. Mm. He's got all those number plates of the cars he must have murdered before on the front of his lorry, which I think was a nice touch. Like, the fact that he has just the... I thought it was like, wait, why are all these number plates on the front of the truck? Is this, like, very... Is this like a confuse the cops thing? But then it's like, oh, no, they're like serial killer trophies of cars he's eaten before or whatever. (laughs) But you think... This guy thinks it's a killer, so he wants to save the children. Yeah, he'll clearly mow these kids down. Yeah. And one of my favourite things about the whole film is just Dennis... Weaver's performance, like, yeah. like it's, it's never over the top, um, cowardly and exasperated, but also trying to gird himself to be brave as well. Yeah, you really buy his arc of like, mm. um, like nutting up at the end and and taking the truck on. Then he had that little happy jump. Yeah, yes. <laughs> his reaction to the truck going over the cliff, the cliff is brilliant because he he starts jumping and then it's almost like he feels a bit silly even though no one's there. And then also there's an element of complete com- like he's relieved that this psychopath has been defeated and he did it, but also he's lost his car and he also may have committed a homicide. Yeah, he's killed someone. <laughs> and he's like it's quite there's a lot to think about in the sunset as the credit rolls. Also the- not just his performance, but his appearance too, like the the costume, the glasses, the pit the, stains. Yeah, the, the fact that his shirt is tucked in the entire time, oh, even as good choice. like <laughs> even as his life unravels. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's really and, great for it, isn't he? It's a, it's a good performance, and, and it's, it's the whole uh, film, isn't it? Is him. Yeah, and uh, and it kind of it relates into the the whole kind of like 
idea of masculinity um, and impotency that you were talking about. Because, yeah. like, on the surface, you know, he's got... He looks like your typical kind of um, all-American protagonist. He's got, like, the boot, Reynolds, moustache, driving the car with the glasses. Yeah. Um, and then the whole... the uh, And it just being... It's a kind of weird one because it is like a you know a kind of American car chase movie, and those things are typically very macho. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and your your protagonist is always you know willing to you know drive the car off stupid cliffs. They at least do... they think they're cool. They might have like a fucking. Yeah. They think they're Warren Oates in fucking that blacktop film. Tulane blacktop and just yeah I'm I'm lame as fuck but I at least th- like I got like a fucking toothpick and I'm gonna beat these kids at racing. There's that kind of I'm a tough guy thing and this is not about that. Yeah, so it's like it's I I, I wouldn't go to say as far that it's like subverting the kind of car chase movie. No, um, but it is nice to see it it, it played with a bit. I, and I, I think yeah, I think on. the fact that it is a TV movie, um, so it had a lower budget, and they they just they probably just couldn't afford to do most of these kind of like outlandish or silly kind of like car um, yeah stunts. Car stunts. Well, it, it, you know, Ron Howard would come along and do Grand Theft Auto and make it all about uh, car stunts and smashing through things. So there's two directions you can go with a road movie. I think Spielberg chose the mature and more tense route of like building Before... a slow tension between a man and a machine. Before we leave behind the school bus scene... Oh, we're not, because fact... I, I have yet to say oh, the phrase okay. big dick energy, and when the fucking <laughs> big brown truck emerges and makes the... It's the chef's kiss of a manoeuvre, because the thing with this, as being a duel, the truck driver is the experienced duelist, I guess. And so yeah. he has an answer to every solution that David comes up with. Every time David tries to get out of it or tries to man up or do anything to to avoid conflict, the truck driver's like, I'm not going to kill the kids. I'm going to fucking shove the school bus along and outman yeah, you. Yeah, I'm going to do what you couldn't. Yeah. In my big truck. My big, dirty brown truck is going to see this school bus right off and your shitty red car couldn't do it. So, yeah. There was a moment at that point where uh, I, I thought that was like a, a clever move. Um, and I thought, could the, the truck driver win this? Because <laughs> yeah. at, at this point, it's kind of like I can see I can see like a storyline of just everyone that um, that uh, uh, David Mann meets. He's just acting crazy, and he yeah, will yeah. always come off as like as the crazy guy. So yeah. I kind of projected this kind of ending where the truck driver wins because. David like goes to jail or something. He, yeah, exactly. Because everyone just thinks he's a crazy man. Yeah, Abby, did you did your sympathies lie with David? I mean, obviously, I mean, you weren't rooting for the truck driver, I assume. But did you did you find yourself wanting David to win? Did you think it was going that way? Did the movie give you any doubts about where this could end? You obviously mentioned the flammable thing didn't pay off for you. It was when he started having. When his internal monologue ramped up and you got a sense of his fear and anxiety, I rooted for him more then. Because at the beginning, yeah. he, he is a bit of a douche. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, that's that's actually... That is something that I wanted to talk about, was the fact that he, it's interesting that it starts out with a character who is fairly unlikable. 
Well, I think but, the, the scene that's so key to we don't know much about him other than he's driving along and he like you know he looks very normal and calm. Yeah. And then once he's had a bit of a oh god that was weird that guy overtaking me and being a bit of a like being a bit like a truck driver fake waving me on into traffic mm-hmm. and getting like going like a believable like something that, like him a truck driver doing that we've all potentially Jamie you said you basically experienced it. Not the waved on to I mean, traffic, the, but like not, yeah, not the oncoming traffic bit, but yeah, the but, the, the openly antagonistic like no driver, you. Yeah. yeah, and so pulling in and being making a phone call at the first gas station, and the, like I like the shot where it's in like a laundrette or something. We're looking at him through, uh, yeah. like the window of of that, and also. The way he's on the phone call to his wife and he's trying to put his leg up, but it's in the way. Yeah. It's really awkward. It's like <laughs> this so fucking dude. Well. It's so uncomfortable for him. He just wants to. Yeah. He's trying to man man spread unnecessarily, <laughs> and then he, he's also like the guy who's uh, fueling his truck. He's, he has to pay while he's on the call. He's he's just like a cocky prick who's trying to like you know shrug off what's going on. But the uncomfortableness of the phone call. We see the wife and the kids playing at home. And they obviously he mentions that they've had a row, and he tries to yeah. apologise, and it just his apology just leads into her sassing him more and being like, "Well, I'm not, I'm, I didn't say I was going to be home late. I just I'm saying I'll try and be back." And it's like, "Well, yeah. you fucking," it's like, "Ah, oh, oh, that fucking well but like, observed." But oh my god, this guy and his a, wife. There's an element though of even though you don't get the full context, you kind of you feel like it is his fault, whatever it yeah. is. <laughs> yeah. And the, the fact that he also then brings the argument back up, like it's it's really it's a really good example of why. Like one of the things Steven Spielberg is really good at that's really difficult to do is exposition, and like putting exposition in to give like context for things, but also not overdoing it. Yeah. And this is like a really good example of him doing that right at the start of his career, where like he's giving you just enough to make it like compelling but not spending too much time on it yeah i i I think what's so key to this is so you set your stall out we get a good a good sense of where who the protagonist is but then the antagonist has an element of mystery like he can't quite see the truck driver i think all he sees is his arm when he waves him on occasionally in a cowboy boot kicking the tires because this is the thing is david is sort of wanting to leave that behind and all the time even when he's like faked out occasionally he thinks the truck has gone sometimes the trucker stops deliberately to let him catch up or catches up with him when he thinks he's got away he's endlessly unable to escape and there's a few times where he pulls in and is like well, this can be over now right normally you leave the road you leave the problem but there's a vindictive quality to this big rusty truck and the driver that we never quite see so he just I is haunted to, by it it's really I wanted weird. to bring up because we've talked about David and like you mentioned the truck driver, but like yeah. the the driver and the truck itself are like a a, a single thing. Like it's the like, truck is a it's, sentient monster. It's truckzilla. <laughs> it's truckzilla is yeah. the thing. That's the idea I think Spielberg had was he wanted it to be like a a monster that was after you, not yeah. a human driving a thing. And also, I've heard it be said, but it was quite obvious from watching it that this is sort of what Jaws is going to be. Like yeah. this is a prequel. This is a precursor to Jaws. Did anyone else get like Mad Jaws vibes? I mean, it's obviously same director, same same premise. Just you know, instead of a shark, it's a truck. Instead of the sea, it's a road. Like, did everyone else feel like this is Jaws, but before he made it? Did you guys pick that up? I felt like 
the film, like the way the truck was shot and the way it emerged in certain scenes, the way it like the film did a phenomenal, like the thing that stood out the most to me was the way the film conveyed the truck as an actual like malicious living thing. thing that was lurking yeah. and would like sneak into shots in the background and like you really got the sense that like it was a thinking moving thing um and yeah it's like exactly like the um you don't get many like pov shots of from the truck's point of view you get a few but like yeah. not like jaws where that's kind of how you're introduced to to the shark mm. um but it does evoke that similar feeling of like it's giving intent to a thing that may not necessarily have it. Is this uh, Abby an effective thing for you? Do you like the fact that Spielberg was going for this like predator thing that doesn't is it, doesn't is it good that we don't see the truck driver? Is it is it well, does it work? It's um. There's three main things that I noticed that he did most of the time, and it's extreme close-ups of mm-hmm. usually body parts, then uh, low-angle camera, mm. and the walking camera as well. I didn't want to necessarily say steady cam because this this predates steady cam, yeah. right? It's, this is just yeah. literally a guy hulking around a big old camera. Yeah, and that's how they. There's a couple of times where they gave the truck intent because they'd done sort of a a wheel's eye view. Yeah. So it was like at the back, the truck was going quite quickly and you were getting a sense of speed because you were so low and on the outside. It feels heavier as well when you film from down there. You just get the sense, the weight of the truck, how scary that would be as well. Mm. But there's also... Uh, I mean, he's... I mean, there's also a sense that the truck is going supernaturally fast because a car going like 90, 100 miles an hour, I'm sure trucks can get their speed up, but it catches up at times. You're like, well, I don't know if a truck could be that quick. There's almost a sense that is there something more mysterious going on? Is this more it's unbelievable? One of, the, one of the things I think um, Anthony said it about um, Spielberg often likes to put like he's made a lot of films that have like supernatural elements to them, but he also does it like here is a, is a good example and Jaws too. Um, he's really good at sort of suggesting that supernatural angle without ever actually doing it. Yeah, outright saying. Um, yeah. And it, yeah, and again, like the that sense of sentience that the the truck has, but also yeah, that like almost it's like it's it's able to go slightly too fast, or sometimes it's like. There's a it's Jason. There's like, a Jason. Not Jason Voorhees. There's a what's his name from Halloween. Mike Myers. There's a Mike Myers thing where he's like, "Oh shit, there it is again." Like yeah, it, it kind of like shits you up, to, place, doesn't it? It's able to quietly like sit at the side of the road. It's almost like it. It like I'm even saying it because I'm hmm. referring to the truck, not the driver. But like, it can predict what David's going to do, which also does suggest that like. It's done this, this before, has happened or, multiple yeah. times before. Yeah, no, really knows how to fuck with people. I want to. One of the things that really shows how effective it was is that this is the only film I know of that made going up a hill slowly dramatic. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is the, the, the this is the one time I was like, oh, back to realism because 
the truck is failing to get up the hill really quickly because yeah. a truck would. That I was thinking, like, the one escape here is you need to find a fucking hill, mate, because that truck ain't going up a hill. Yeah. I, I imagine if you lost it, it would just be at the top of the hill and, again, it would fucking monster truck you to death or something. But, like, I, I felt like, hooray! And then the, the genius has been, Spielberg has planted the idea that like one of the the people who checks the bonnet of the car is like, oh, you're mm. some fucking radiator with tube yeah. pump thing that needs replacing, and the guy dismisses it as, oh yeah, or, that's always what people say when they want to sell you an extra bit of shit that you don't need, uh, and he, he and then it ruse he ruse that moment because his radiator starts shitting steam at an alarming rate. It's quite <laughs> an obscene amount of steam coming out of this car for ages as it slowly fails to be able to get away from the truck towards the end. But it is an effective scene, like as Abby has pointed out. Well, it also, like, it... Because, you know, talking about the lack... This film doesn't really have, like, stunts necessarily. Like, it has a, it has a few. It has some, like, impressive... Twists, like, crashes. He swerves a lot, does David? He, when he's panicked, he sort of he yeah. can't cope with being over seventy miles an hour, and he's like, "Fuck!" But it doesn't. Well, and I also think there's a suggestion that like the car can't, like it's not designed to go that fast, so it gets really difficult to like keep it under control. Mm. Um, but like, it does a really good job of making it like it makes what in a in a lot of like action movies would be considered kind of a boring chase. Um, tense yeah. and exciting because it's more like what an actual chase would be like if you were involved in some kind of chase where it, it really is just about like going very fast and trying to maintain some kind of control and just like losing control and like nothing's really nothing's like flipping over or whatever you're just bumping into things and yeah. the car takes a lot of very like real damage and gets really fucked up yeah like it's 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 impressive that it stays as grounded as it does yeah. Anthony, you, when you watched it the first time, you know, late night TV, you sort of thought it might have been a bit boring. Was This time, were you able to appreciate the thing that Jamie's just described about how it's pared down, realistic, slow build tension? Do you find it more engaging this time because of that, when you were thinking about it more critically, perhaps? Yeah, I think so, because, you know, that, that's uh, 20 years We'll put a, a number on it. Uh, I don't know sure. for a fact, but say in in the last twenty years, you know, you've seen I've seen so many high octane kind of car chases where like a driver just has a supernatural kind of ability to be able to handle a car going at like a hundred miles an hour mm. yeah. uh, down the road, um, and and you just you just can't like I've you know I, I've driven a van quite a lot on the motorway. And just get, getting up to seventy, like feels like the, like the thing is just gonna like explode from the pressure <laughs> yeah. of the wings, like you know. Um, so, and it all comes down to his kind of like performance because I totally bought the. It's nice to see someone who's not necessarily used to driving those speeds. And um, constantly so, looking back in his mirrors, and then because he's doing that, he's not paying attention in front of him, which you go, oh shit, and he makes mistakes that would occur yeah. because you're too busy and focused on something else. Mm. So, yeah. Um, you, it, yeah you can appreciate it, it because you could drive now and are more aware of perhaps. Yeah, because I, 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 I think I'd be pretty much the same as, as him. You know, yeah. if this happened to me, I'd be like, 
okay, I don't, I don't particularly want to engage um, yeah. in in this. Um, but when you get into the situation where you're being chased, it's like, okay, I'll go a bit faster. It's like I can't, I can't just go a hundred miles an hour. There are yeah. corners and like the police, the road, and speed stuff. cameras and shit. Well, then maybe not back then, but yeah, no, it's, it's all the real, it's all the real factors that stop you from, you know, being able to do anything about the situation. Yeah, yeah, that's it. It's like it, it feels like it. It does a really good job of just sticking him in a place where it's like there really is nothing he can do except for try to outrun him. Try, yeah. I I think one of the key scenes that helps break up the movie, so taking a little break from all the road anxiety, we we have the second diner, well he pulls into a diner after a while, like he cracks, like there's one bit where the, the, the truck has been shoving him on, beeping its horn or whatever, and getting him to speed up and speed up and hit the hundred and hit to go too fast, and eventually he has to sw- swerve and like pulls into like a car park layby and, and he sort of just manages to touch a fence and break it and gets the attention of everyone in the vicinity, like the, the few people we see in this film, and he like basically is a bit stressed out because he's been bullied and he actually bumped at this stage. He hasn't turned into a serial killer, but it is more than you'd expect on the road for a car to actually, a, a truck to hit you. But anyway, he's like trying to pull himself together and go, look, it's it's fucking over now. And there's, but there's also the yokels who are sort of ogling him in the car park, like, "Yo, shit, mate, you alright? You got whiplash, you." And then there's just another guy just staring at him, like, "Dickhead." He comes, swer- <laughs> yeah. he comes swerving but, into the car park. The whole film, like, whenever there is another character in there, it just it just helps. Even though there's more people, it it just helps. Um, it feel more isolated because he just. He can't like relate to these characters, or they look at him like, "Oh God, typical Tony. city guy kind yeah. of." Thing. Yeah. So, like, even though more people are added, it it adds to his kind of like isolation in the situation. Yeah. I also like the um, the impression you get of him like making assumptions about people, where he's trying to like, he's in this, he's in uh, what's the place called? Chuck's Cafe. Chuck's. Yeah. Oh, and he um, has the like imaginary scenarios that you think are real, and then they're not, and then there is one that's real. Yeah, and he's like, and it, he's looking at these people, just basically thinking, "Well, that guy kind of looks like a psycho." Like he's basically trying to like figure out which one of them it is, and it's none of them because, of course, it isn't. Well, in uh, Chuck's cafe, I like we have a long shot of him just going to the toilet and collecting himself and telling it. Yeah. You hear the voice over him telling himself, rationalizing it. I mean, like it wasn't that bad. And look, I'm just gonna look. He's it's over. Like I can collect the rest of my day, go to my business. The, he ca- he tries to calm himself down, and yeah. then when he's in the diner, the truck has reappeared outside when it had previously gone past. And he's like bollocks. And then that because he assumes that the truck driver's in the cafe, which seems plausible. He asked, he's looking at all the customers, like, have they got cowboy shoes on? Could they yeah. be the guy? And, and then we go through all the customers, and they all have a plausibility to them, and he can't make like, up his mind. I go like on. that they all seemingly have the same brown cowboy boots on. Yeah. Um, but wood as well. Like the, the thing, yeah. I, the thing I love about this scene. So he, he's like, oh fuck, and he sits down in the shit. Like it's a weird cafe. It's got like all white rocks 
on the outside and then inside it's like this chintzy pink diner with it's a load of people it's, um, it's like an old adobe building because of where it is in the desert yeah. and then yeah the inside is really like typical shitty kind of 50s, 50s diner yeah, yeah 70s yeah or whatever but they're all there and I don't know why like I guess it's the only watering hole in the vicinity so everyone's there and I, I think I love how he's pathetic again because he sits down and he's sort of distractedly trying to worry and panic and figure out what to do next and so maybe w- wants to figure out who the driver is, but then does he want the confrontation and so forth? But he, he like asks for some water and an aspirin, and he orders a cheese yeah. a cheese sandwich he doesn't eat, and you go, you're so lame with your little cheese sandwich on Rye, W-R-Y, Rye. And he also, he also wants ketchup, but like doesn't ask, but, oh. like you only hear him say it in the voiceover, but he never says it out loud. <laughs> like he's really oh god. I like how shitty, even with the diet, this guy's so shit that he, he can't, like, even when the waitress is like, what do you want? He eventually answers, and then he, like, as she's going away, he says something else. Like, just fucking say when she's there, you twat. <laughs> like, how hard is it to order a cheese sandwich, you fucking moron? Did it, was anyone else getting, like, and I, I, I feel like this applies for a lot of the film, um, but this scene does sort of exemplify it. There's a, there's a real kind of crossover kind of uh, vibe here with... There's some Twilight Zone and there's some Hitchcock. Definitely Hitchcock. Mm. Like, all the way yeah. through, it's a Hitchcock-type movie, yeah. Yeah, it, and the music as well is very... Uh, I, I, well, it has psycho it's, elements it's, at times, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, the music's by a guy... Oh, I just had it in front of me. Um, Billy Goldenberg. And I think it's... From what I can see, this is the only film that isn't John Williams uh, with Steven Spielberg. Mm. Um but yeah, it's interesting because it's got a very like Bernard Herrmann uh, kind of sound to it. Anyone else have any thoughts on uh, the effective uh, or ineffective uh, music and not noises and stuff? I think I didn't notice it, but in a good way. Yeah, like it was it's... so well integrated that I yeah, like just a... absorbed it. It's like a texture thing rather than like like a like a John like. You know, I I love John Williams, but a lot of what he's known for is like big, rousing themes. He does other stuff as well, but like that's his that's his thing. Everyone is familiar with. Whereas with this, it's much more like a lot of the music is sort of uh, sounds like percussive sounds and um, just kind of melds into the sounds of the like what's the road and the the vehicles and stuff. Yeah, just a little bit of monotonous noises to help build tension. Yeah. Uh, so the, the, this this ends in uh, David going a bit crazy, and he he kind of comes to the assumption that he confronts one guy after running a few scenarios. Uh, there's one guy just having a sandwich and a beer. I don't know who this, yeah, I don't know who these people are like. Oh, I'll have a fucking road beer, but yeah, sure. Um, oh, that's yeah, yeah, that's trucker dickheads. <laughs> but this guy's just like clear, like okay, so. Even if you have confronted the right guy, it would be the perfect time would be to deny everything. So you're not going to get anywhere. But anyway, he th- he sort of decides it's this one guy, babbles a lot of shit about don't leave me alone, and he gets more cross and he sort of twats the guy's sandwich out, out, off his plate. <laughs> and you go, oh, see, David, you crossed the line here, mate. You should have yeah. manned up. You should have what he should have done, guys. He should have gone up to the bar and said, "Listen, does anyone know who owns the big uh, flammable, you know, yeah, brown truck?" No, and he exactly. should have said. Oh, like, and if someone said, no, I don't know, or well, that's Jeff, or like, if someone said, oh, yeah, he's, like, whatever should have happened could have been, like, listen, this is, I don't know what you're playing at, but I, I think that was a bit not on. If you, 
I don't know. Does the guy then shank you in the toilets? What do you What do you think happens if you confront evil truck guy who we never see, like the Steg or whoever it is? Do Do we Does he kill <laughs> oh, us, God. or does he have he to murder? <laughs> does the guy have to murder people with his big truck? I feel like he couldn't, right? He couldn't it seems that, fight well, you. It seems that way because he won't. He could have easily. Well, he does try at one point, I guess, to run David down. But whenever David's like out of his car walking down the road, the truck drives away. So I get. I had a feeling every now and again that that truck does have a load, and every now and again he realizes, oh shit, I better crack on a bit here. Yeah. Well, you think he has to get the the petroleum somewhere on? I don't know. It's sort of weird because it's because it's a serial killer car movie it put me in mind of death proof which obviously was influenced by this but tarantino is the one movie i think he fucked up and didn't do a very good job because he sort of like it's the same oh i'm a serial killer driver and it's like yeah but we had loads of fucking kurt russell for yeah he's the killer not the driver yeah it's kind of like like you didn't like tarantino didn't get what was so good about this and it's the fact is it's not about a driver it's yeah. about a machine and how the ambiguousness, the, the the scariness is that David starts to think, well, what he doesn't, he never finds out why this is happening to him. Yeah, he's not, he's not, a, he's not. There's no reason he's being picked on. He does, his only faux pas is to overtake a truck when he was stuck behind it, I guess. But he hasn't done anything wrong apart from be weak enough to be a prey for a man and his truck in it, you know. I, I like that after he slaps the sandwich out of the guy's hand, he's instantly beaten up and defeated by the guy. <laughs> and everyone at the cafe is like, you fucking get bitch, out. get yeah. out. <laughs> like, this is, again, I mean, it's not even a proper cafe, diner, truck fight, is it? It's just no, like, man gets beaten up, sadly. Yeah, and uh, and then him, again, it's it, it's similar to the the scene where, you know, with the school bus and then the, the truck being able to push the bus when he couldn't hmm. um he go whenever he goes back to his uh like his his table and he sees the guy leave and drive away in a different truck and yeah that's good and eventually sees like the truck itself drive off and no one from the from the cafe after he's made a scene yeah. got in it it's such a great like again it's like the it's like the truck had waited for him to make a scene and then driven off like, no, nope, I was never me in the first place. Anthony, another time it might have been an opportunity to be unrealistic. So big old gin- uh, ginger truck? <laughs> big old rusty truck. <laughs> the rusty truck pisses off for momentarily at the diner. He's a bit embarrassed and sad, is David. He gets in his car and then like basically is going to catch up with the truck now. Is it not a bit like, well, I'll give this 15 minutes before I leave, right? Do you not think he made the wrong decision to just pop along in the car right behind the truck that he was trying to avoid? I suppose, but then it I, the truck driving off does feel like a kind of admission of defeat. You know, it's also like, yeah. before it's really started to escalate. So I think he assumes at this point that the truck driver was just trying to scare him and has given up and, and left. I'd say as well, it's, there's nothing for him to go back to. Yeah. Just finish your sandwich. Head. I suppose. Although I would say that there's a certain point where I would have just taken literally any road that wasn't at one, then got to the first place I could, like catch a bus, catch a train. <laughs> yeah. I don't care what it is. Ditch that car. Yeah. Well, here's go. here's the thing, right? 
there's two things you brought up that that David does does David does pull off the road. He like he gets ahead of the truck, he pulls away, and he pulls off the road and and sort of parks and hides out of the way. And the truck does barrel past without catching. Like it doesn't seemingly know he's there. And then later on, he comes across it when he is trying to take a. He takes like a B road, I guess. Would be like I don't know what they call them in America. Well, he he's stressed. Yeah. And he falls asleep, and this this is the other thing, right? So he's parked by a railway, and then he has a sleep, a little pathetic sleep, and then the tr- a massive train, which we're so used to on the podcast, goes past. I don't know where they've been today. I guess they've been mooted. Yeah. But like um, a massive train goes past, beeping its horn and shits him up because you're like, "Oh fuck, is a truck back to kill me?" And the train goes past, and then later on, the truck and the train, like the truck, the train. There's another similar train, or the same train going by, and the guy's being chased again by the truck, and he crosses. I don't know. Does he cross the railway or something? I think that's before. I think that's before he uh, stops and sleeps. But yeah, he's waiting at a at a crossing, and the truck again, almost supernaturally. Is suddenly behind him. Oh no! But what, what I was going to say, kinda... what I was going to say though, is that the truck driver beeps his horn and the train replies oh, with a beep. Yeah. And it's like you guys are in cahoots. You've been yeah. both shitting this guy up. The train <laughs> is in on this. It's a different kaiju monster, and he's like yeah. fucking Mothra and Godzilla teaming up on this little victim or something. You know? Yeah, I I picked up on that too, and I really liked it. They were communicating in their own language. Yeah, it's it like so, so weird. A little bit of an undercurrent of complicity throughout, where there's certain people that he's like the two guys in the car park where he's gone through the fence. Mm. They ask him if he's all right, but they don't like follow it up at all. Whiplash. There's just the way that that guy was looking out at the car. I'd half expected the, the guy from the truck to have cut his brake lines or something, <laughs> and that the other guy just watched and let it happen. <laughs> it had that vibe to it. That's not what had happened. Like delivered well, style. Well, ding, 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 yeah, ding, like ding. engine did fail eventually. Yeah. yeah. You actually, you did. That reminds me. You just mentioned about him uh, making, uh, you know, every now and again remembering that he's a truck driver and actually having to deliver something. Um, <laughs> That does suggest, or there's a there's uh, there's a potential there that that's maybe why the truck doesn't explode at the end is because it's just empty and it's and, just driving around looking for cars. Yeah, like things. it's literally all he does. It's also why the truck looks like such a piece of shit because like it's been years of murdering people. Or... Yeah, it's not actually in use as a truck. He was essentially disguised he just as a truck. Yeah, it's a transformer, really old transformer that has a, <laughs> it's a Decepticon. Oh, what, God. What, Does that mean th- it has truck nuts like in those fucking Michael Bay films? No, no. Spielberg, Spielberg is a gentleman <laughs> director producer. Um, one thing I, I'm thinking now: the guy who just stares in the car park and says nothing, I reckon he's one of those guys going, "Oh yeah, this." There's like a tale of the the serial killer truck, and he's like, "Oh yeah, it's, it's going to happen again, isn't it?" He's just staring at the man going, "You're the." You're the rabbit that's oh, going to be devoured. He's, he's the Stephen King character in the Steven Spielberg film. Yeah, he's in the it, know. That like would, that would make sense as well, because presumably it's this one stretch of road where all this goes on. Oh yeah. So they will this have is... had other people crashing here or coming into. Yeah. Like, well, they just don't Actually, help because they don't want to feel the wrath of the truck. Yeah, I was going to say you um, know because the license plates he's got on his truck are from different states, but that could also just be. 
people think, from the yeah they come from yeah. they, they come and they're newbies from out of town and the truck is like the truck is like fuck you anyway <laughs> what else we got in this film because essentially I, actually, I take responsibility for the writing my own subplots this week I take Jamie's crown uh, and wear it as my own. It's always a fun Wait, we haven't, game. We haven't talked about what may or may not be in the short story by uh, uh, Richard Matheson. Well, we're not. Apparently he did, some tits uh, will be in there somewhere, presumably, uh, slightly to the left or right of the article. Apparently his uh, his original idea was to have a man and a wife in the car together, Ooh. rather but than then just the, the his, guy. The arguments would be written more. and I don't know, I yeah. like this one guy, because it, it's his... Oh, attempt yeah, to pathetically stand up for himself. Well, no. that's why he he ultimately went with a guy, and I do think uh, not. And I don't mean like a guy, like yeah, yeah, no, yeah. it's good because it's a man, like a single person rather works. than two people in this. I think makes also it, work best. it had to be it had to be a man because a woman would get more sympathy from all the people on the road. They'd be like, oh my god, are you like you'd be patronised yeah. more and treated more seriously as a victim, so. Yeah, it's that. Yeah, and also, like you were saying, there's that theme of like impotence and and like uh, failed masculinity with with David specifically. Yeah, like uh, the, I think the other main incident that happens is there's a couple in like when he's having the I'm going to get out of my car and go up to the mm. truck and it's going to drive away and and he's got that kind of if I drive you block the road if I stop you get out the way bullshit there's further tedium and dueling between the two and an old couple drive up and then <laughs> David quite wisely is like look can you fucking help me out I've got witnesses here the the, yeah. the supernatural monster truck serial killer is there please just go ahead and call like he won't attack you because I he's picked me today but go call yeah. the cops or let me in and take me to a station he's like pleading he's a little frantic and the wife the wife of the car's like go away like she doesn't want to help and he's it's quite reasonable did you guys feel like he, loved, he's frantic but is David like reasonable here are they pricks I, I loved that he's what scared them off not the truck <laughs> like, mm. I also really like the wife going to get him to drive and the truck does eventually shoo the way they reverse away all scared and yeah. flee and David's left but did it, Anthony did you would you have helped this crazy man shouting at the side of the road would you have gone and told the police anything do you think I would have had them arrest him. <laughs> um, probably not. <laughs> he should have, if he'd have gone in with like, guys, can you give me a lift? They'd be like, oh sure, your car broke down, I'll give you a lift. Just ignore the evil truck. But then the truck might go after them in the new car because it wants David, I don't know. Mm. What, what do you do? It's so so awful <laughs> for David. The poor man. But, uh, this This whole scene is I think is my favorite is the the truck like daring him into a, like a race essentially and one of the the things that really works well about the truck and is a testament to the guy the I, I think he's a stuntman I don't think he was ever like an actor yeah. but the the guy who drives the truck does a really good job of like like it's not easy to drive a big vehicle and the fact that he manages to do it in a way that like gives it character is really impressive. Like the um he he makes a lot of really sort of weird, complicated turns and moves to like express intent. Yeah. Which yeah. I, I mean it's really partly have. it's partly directing, but also, yeah, to, to hit your marks yeah. and get it working is needed. I think it's here as well that one of one of my favourite shots of the film is um I think it's here, 
is whenever he like because I think it's after he fell asleep and then he wakes up again and there's this um, and he carries on driving because he thinks the truck has passed mm. and it's a shot of like the camera's slowly pulling like away like back as he's coming up the road and then it suddenly jumps back really quickly and it's under the wheels of the truck and he's oh, like yeah, framed in it yeah it was a fantastic shot there's been a lot of because the actual items available to look at were so limited in this film because it's essentially the guy the car the truck and then maybe wherever place they're in occasionally they did a really good job of finding different ways to look at things yeah because you're just looking at the same thing all the time and i really give them credit for that they found really inventive ways to make it look different throughout Every beat, every every beat of the tension is not perfect as well. Like I like towards the escalation of the chase when David does accept the duel at last and is like, "I'm not going to fight this. I'm just going to outrun you, and we're I'm going to fucking beat you somehow or get away, get away." And so he has to, he goes ahead of the truck and is is engaged more fully in racing on. And then his hubcap comes off when he's like scraping the road, going too fast and taking the turns. And like the fact that the truck just runs the hubcap over as if it's eating yeah. a tiny piece of him. It's just perfect. I love all the... just It's full of little touches that Spielberg has thought of to put in there to stop it being some just some shit B-movie that doesn't think about well, all even, this stuff. Yeah, even like, um, uh, like the fact that he made the car red specifically so it stands out in the desert. I mean, That's such like, a yeah. like minor thing, but it's also something that I think a lot of direct, especially first-time directors, wouldn't think to do. And and then I think the only bit of blood he draws from David is like on a sharp turn, he sort of bites his lip. And yeah. that's literally the only blood drawn in the film. And then, I mean, the red of the car sort of is invoking that slightly, I think. But it's not, it's not like a Stephen King's Christine where it's like an evil monster demon car. This is yeah. a road movie of the escalation of a plausible you know uh, road argument but then escalating into a kind of you know bitter to the end thing that doesn't that kind of stretches plausibility but is still a gripping and intense it stretches it within the bounds of being something you could like imagine yourself in as like a worst case scenario like yeah has anyone had the kind of chicken showdown with a massive truck? I mean, Jamie, you said about taking over, but has has anyone been like, "I'll fucking drive straight onto you and see, we'll see"? <laughs> I don't know if that's happened to me. I also don't know if anyone can legally admit to it on a oh, podcast. Yeah. I think he, <laughs> I think that's why Anthony's being particularly silent because many a time he's jumped out of a Anthony moving car. He's actually, a serial killer truck driver. Oh, no comment. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Prowling Lee Delamere. <laughs> Looking for people who are particularly fond of uh, organic scotch eggs. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it basically becomes... The final showdown is tense. We have the fake-out with the thinking there's a cop car, but then it's not. But fundamentally, it's just speeding up, winding up. The car breaks down and slows up, and he doesn't quite get away. He's sort of cursing and swearing and praying that the car carries on. There's a lot of going downhill at the end, like coasting. And like, there's no way you'd get up to 60 going down that hill. That reminds me of when I was a child in the car with my granddad, and he used to, going downhill, he used to fucking turn the engine off to save petrol. What a cheapskate. <laughs> he would was call he... it freewheeling. 
Is he Scottish? You're, you're the granddad. How cheap is that? Like freewheeling. Just save money. I took the clutch out so, I, so it stays in the top gear and wastes the leash fuel. <laughs> what are we talking yep, about? You used to just turn the engine off and let the car coast down a hill. I also steal red petrol for tractors so that I save <laughs> money on the cheap reduced petrol. Also, wouldn't, doesn't starting the car back up again as you get to the bottom of the hill use more petrol than you would have used just I driving? Think all I was about hill. to ask, how exactly do you start a moving car? You have, you have to pull the clutch up suddenly, I think, when it is not started. I mean, you can, like, if you're bump starting it, like the bus, I guess, did, I, you need to get momentum so that the car can sort of jump into, I don't know. It, it, as I try and answer your technical question, I, mean, I realise, I don't know, you just sort of push it and jump start it by pulling the clutch up and hoping for the best. You cross your fingers <laughs> and you release the clutch quickly and it, and it kind of kangaroos to life and then you pray you don't have to stop again. Yeah, I think above all else, hoping for the best is probably the biggest factor in how that works. (laughs) But but our showdown after the breakdown is fundamentally David driving up to some random dirty cliff tops, being a bit fucked, and then deciding to jam his briefcase, because the meeting is very much missed at this point, so who needs the paperwork? (laughs) And the car's pretty much fucked from hitting the wall on one of the turns. So he jams a suitcase hangs out the side action movie. It's the first action movie thing he does. And then he fucking jumps out and basically lets the big angry truck take the car in its big mouth and chew it up on fire. But unluckily, I mean, it's pretty stupid that the truck driver should know he's going to go off a cliff, but he's too busy. What's what's blocking his view to tell he's... The car fire. is on fire and smoke. Yeah. And sideways, which was odd. Yeah, it's like, it's like a predator finally getting the kill. And then tumbling down a mountain and being like, oh, bollocks, I should have let that chicken live or whatever. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, the the car is just defeated. The truck is defeated. But David is, is hopping for joy for he's finally free. free. Although you half, you half expect him to get back, hitchhike a ride and a big... a big dirty truck to pull up and give him a lift. And he's I like, do think, no. Yeah, I think a... a- not quite as good filmmaker would have put some kind of stinger like that at the end where but, uh, he's like hitchhiking yeah. and the truck turns up yeah but the non-flammable the, the non-flammable flammable truck crashes spectacularly I'm, but not on I'm, fire into the dirt I'm sticking with my, my theory that 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 truck is empty there's no yeah yeah I think that's fine I think that's also, I think it's the, the, it's the crash the crash is spectacular. It looks good. It looks good. Uh, Andrew, and it, did, is this an impactful ending for you? Do you like the the chicken off the cliff thing? Does it work, or did you find yourself like Abby, perhaps expecting it to explode into fire? I did expect it to explode into fire. <laughs> um, I mean, how can you not? It's, but it's... it felt <laughs> like it yeah, was signpost. The the producers wanted him to do it again, and I think Spielberg refused. He was like, "Nah, you get another director if you're gonna fucking shoot more stuff." So he intentionally didn't want it to. Think, he thought yeah, it looked good, like and he wanted it. And it works. Like like I said, the whole thing has been as realistic as a movie kind of car chase can be, um, and generally things don't explode when they crash into things. So I can't. I can't fault it. But also, um, a massive explosion would bring the cops, and that would free David from his peril of just being stuck to, in the middle of nowhere. 
you know presumably he's close to something because there was they did go through like a gate and a fence yeah he probably can walk a bit back like he's not absolutely dead now but he is very much what do i like this day has got out yeah. of control this was falling down but i didn't man up yeah. <laughs> i just had to fucking be a cuck all the way through there's there's a couple of things here that i really like like a couple of touches that kind of replace the explosion, yeah. um, which are the the kind of indicators of it being over. One of them is the wheel, like the, the wheel of stop. the truck. Mm. Yeah, blood. slowly spinning. And then, yeah, the blood on the wheel. The, the one thing that, like, actually humanizes the truck driver very slightly at the end and does, like... It, it it's it's a you know it's one of the two or three indicators that like no it's it like it's done the truck is done the driver's done this is over yeah you're the sexy woman who defeated the slasher and he's dead now and you're the sole survivor all the other also, cars that have been killed by this serial killer truck they all those number plates are dead but David has outmaneuvered him and he won I also like the um. You know, David sitting down as the film ends, and the fact that he's throwing stones at the truck, yeah, the whole time, like he's just sitting Boardly. there, just lazily chucking pebbles at it, like fuck you, <laughs> he's fucking. Well, he's like, he's like, you know, it's his greatest foe. He's Batman without Joker now, isn't he? You know, like you, you define who I am. I, I've defeated the truck, but now you're dead. What do I have to live for? Back to my shitty wife, my collaging <laughs> children, and my business deal that might have fallen through because I had to drive across country rather than make a phone call to fucking... I mean, he's got a valid excuse if anyone believes him. Yeah, just car trouble, isn't it? That's what he has I mean, to say. Sorry I, sorry I couldn't make it to the meeting. Or was it? Yeah, a bit of car trouble. Broke down yeah. at the side of the road into several pieces. <laughs> also, I think I shat myself to death. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, if you wanted to make it a little bit more realistic, he should have shit, or at the very least, at the very least, pissed himself at some point. But yeah, the piss, with the shitting, he had—he didn't really eat anything the whole time, so there'd be nothing to. <laughs> he presumably had a very disappointing breakfast before he left. Like a, the kids have eaten all the nice cereal. Uh... Uh, it's it's Cheerios, but the one the kind that doesn't have like a flavour to them. So it's just like weird bland Cheerios in milk with nothing else. Yeah, and he leaves the house going, oh, trying to think of better comebacks to his wife the night before. Yeah, <laughs> I like she the shot. Back. Actually, as we leave, we're in the darkness of the garage, and we just yeah. reverse out of, of suddenly getting clarity as to what's going on. But yeah, I mean, this was the ending. I mean, I don't know if you guys have any bits you want to mention or final thoughts, but uh. Now would be the time to recall anything we've missed, or whatever you might want to bring bring up. I just think a little public service announcement for people: if you have whiplash of any kind, don't just carry on with your day like it's fine. You need to see a medical professional. Also, yeah. maybe you know, uh, follow the the rules of the road, drivers. Don't be dicks. <laughs> no one needs any of that shit in their lives. No mirror signal manoeuvre. Don't fucking bump people. Don't hassle people. Don't be slow. Just fucking use your common sense and stop being a dickhead. No one needs a don't, dickhead on the road. Don't drink and drive like yeah. those truckers. Help mm-hmm. help people who are babbling in the road in a nice way <laughs> rather than well. screaming at them. Jim, <laughs> go go go. Let's not let's not help a man, a fellow human. 
And if you're kids, fucking wind your neck in, sit down on the bus, <laughs> and fucking don't be such pricks to the nice man who's begrudgingly help you get to school I did, or whatever. I did say the, that scene being more British than the rest of the film, because the, <laughs> the being unable to stand up to the kids. But if it was actually British, those kids would be, like, spitting on him and giving him the middle finger and calling him, like... Pedo, you a pedo, mate. You fucking pedo. You saying you're gonna touch me if I get if I don't get off your cars, eh? What are you gonna do? You're gonna fucking you're gonna touch my balls. You're gonna touch my balls. Look at your pedo glasses. Stop looking at my dick. Like, it's like ah, oh, I also want to give props to all of the 1970s for having really interesting glasses. Yeah. <laughs> Low on the yeah, 70s yeah. hair in this one. There wasn't a heap. Of like, oh my god, that haircut, you know? It was only seventy one. They hadn't, they hadn't all got the memo yet. There's enough yeah. time for cowboy boots and tashes, but uh, yeah. it didn't have the. Uh, it also didn't have the obscene, uh, fluffy Robin Williams hair from uh, Hook. <laughs> well, it, he also didn't have to shave his arms to do the part. So you don't know that. Yes. Yeah, we don't know. I've seen him in A Touch of Evil. He was fine. Also, and um, I know maybe this was just me, but there, Dennis Weaver in this film, there was a little, uh, there was a, a bit of a Dennis Hopper feel to him. And hmm. I couldn't quite put my finger on it if I if that was just me. A little bit. I, I, maybe I, cocaine is perceptible. Through <laughs> 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 yeah. I see, I, I was looking at him going, he looked a bit like, uh, what's his name, fucking... Some oh, they got a weird name. He's in Game of Thrones and Narcos. It's something. Typical skull. Yeah, that's yeah, that's him. That's the guy. I thought he looked a bit like him, like a father of him or something. Mm. Slightly less Mexican-y looking version. I think it's just that haircut. And the and the moustache, yeah, maybe from yeah, the haircut and the moustache. Yeah, they're like it. There is a there is a nineteen seventies. Like action thriller about drug running on the border in that look somewhere. Yeah, oh yeah a little bit. Anyway, I, I'm just going to say it's a good film. Well done, Spielberg. A lot of the themes in this are very common in films that come after. Like even th- something like Close Encounters of the Third Kind is very much about. <laughs> well, anyway, like other people's opinions, I liked Duel. It was a good film. I like Jaws. I like fucking Minority Report. Turns out I like loads of Spielbergs. I just don't care about the big ones that everyone fucking loves. That's all. I'm surprised you like Minority Report for some reason. I don't know. It's got fucking Tom Cruise hamming it up. And just it's just weird. It's properly stupid and great. <laughs> anyway, Anthony. I think the the bones of the rest of Steven Spielberg's kind of oeuvre is there. Yeah. But not Certainly. the sus- not the sinew and muscle and hair and skin. They're not there. Perhaps not. <laughs> but you know, there's a good foundation there. Sure. Um, I also thought Duel was good. Great. Two. <laughs> two. Oh, good. Yeah. yeah, it was. It was. It was. Um, it was better than I was expecting. Having thought it was going to be boring from what I've seen before. Um, the HD version, um, I assume we all watched it in HD. I yeah. did. Hmm. Looks great. I mean, you wouldn't yeah. know it, it was a made-for-TV movie. Well, it, it was squarer as well. It, the people, like Spielberg was had the thing of going, oh, now we've made it for the theatre. Shit, I'm in shots now because we planned yeah. this oh, to yeah. be square. Did anyone, did anyone see him reflected in the 
I, I never noticed this shit. I never see I saw, reflections of people and camera guys. I didn't know it was Spielberg, but I saw something reflected in yeah, or I, in the back seat of a car or something. Apparently there are others, but that that was the only one I noticed without being like without having read it first. Like I I spotted him in the in the phone booth reflection. But yeah, it's it's um it's a simple film. Um, I didn't think it would keep my attention for like an hour and a half, but it did. Um, it's yeah, simple, uh, efficient, uh, a great kind of like performance that I really related to by Dennis Weaver. Um, I don't know what to say. It's just a really solid film. You can tell he's going to go... You could... opposite <laughs> <laughs> Mate, we're not covering this ground again. If you want to know what we think about Hook and how Jamie is an idiot and wrong, go back to our Hook episode, <laughs> where I think we partially talked us I, I think I talked myself into thinking it's a bit shitter and I think we you know he, he plays all our oh, hook is shit but you you admitted to the good bits of hook on that episode I it's shit because it's almost good yeah see this is the caveat anyway uh Abby what about you this film duel duel is good I just personally lack some of the like it's not as visceral for me because I don't drive, but I, I still like it's still good. But I think if I I did know what that felt like, it would have been even more. You're also not a powerless, very unmanly man like yeah. the three of us. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're all we're all suffering from. Yeah, we can totally relate to David, the lame fucking cuck who can't stand up for himself. And you're like, yeah, I'm fine. I I My resolved this been problem in this whole time. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's that's all right. But you thought you can, you wouldn't say, oh shit, though. No, it's just I personally don't have the reference that I need to make it really, really horrible and tense to watch. I mean, it is horrible because makes... a man is being attacked. <laughs> yeah. You 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 must you've been you've been able to relate to the general psychology of human beings being scared oh, yeah. and bullied. So. So I I do re- I do relate to it on that casual level but i don't have that but the 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 nuggets of experience to really put it over the top for me plus it's the thing of like american roads compared to british roads like we said it's this ain't happening in this country <laughs> this ends very very quickly maybe we tend to have more when it's raining on the motorway and you can see about three feet in front of yourself mm. yeah. that's the most tense that we get Ooh, some, yeah, this is... some joyriders have swerved near me and now I've pulled off the road and hit a cow. Bollocks, that's my yeah. day ruined. Get this the police over... interceptors. This is over as soon as you hit a roundabout. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, just the traffic alone. Fuck off, like. Anyway, uh, Jamie, so, you know, is there anything else you'd like to conclude about Duel? It's not the typical Spielberg film. It's just it has all of what would later be in most of his films. Yeah, the bit, uh, there is a, like a noise that is in repeat. It's like a, is it, I don't know, it can't be a dinosaur recording, but there's like a supposedly, oh, the, the, yeah, the truck the, crashes and there's like a roar that is using Jaws and is generally yeah, favoured by him. After the, yeah, after he blows up the shark and you see it, like the, the shot is also really similar. Like the, the shot of like the yeah. underwater, like plumes of blood of the blown up shark. Um, 
is really similar to the um, the truck slowly going off the cliff. Um, but no, I, like I hadn't seen this before. I'm glad I have, and it makes sense now. Um, where, you know, it being his first film, like I can see the like the patterns that would become like stronger and more defined as as his career went on, and also like where he would where he would deviate and. Um, you know, he, he kind of sets up his own, not cliches, but like his own rules of how he tells a story and makes a film that he would then start to like deliberately subvert or break later on in his career. Um, and I'll I'll prove it next time by uh, we'll do The Adventures of Tintin. That's a terrible yeah. film, fair play. <laughs> I haven't there's, seen it. There's bits of it, but it's a, it's a bit of a CGI fest. It's more about the kind of CGI stunt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks it looks like one of those fucking motion capture pieces of shit that Robert Zemeckis is obsessed with. <laughs> it's not that bad. <laughs> but it's just from the point in time where it was still a little bit early and they hadn't quite worked it out yet. Oh, just... Yeah, so everybody everybody looks like undead dolls. Well, there's just the scenes where like fucking what's his name? Captain Pugwash. What's his name? Fucking. <laughs> Captain Haddock. Coddock. Haddock. 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 Right. Coddock. What the fuck is that? <laughs> Captain Coddock. Captain Codpiece. Um, Captain Haddock's ears are so big and yeah, vast and yeah. his nose. Like, you just. The, the kind of. It's not quite. It's the sort of uncanny valley meets caricature bit that makes me yeah, feel they, a bit sick. They, yeah, they make them like. Like, photorealistic cartoon characters, which is really weird. It's yeah, like it's when. Weird. Like. Um, you see those, uh, you know, CGI creations of like this is what Popeye would look like in real life, and you're like, oh, this is fucking horrifying. Yeah. Here's uh, the Simpson real texture. No, yeah. no, <laughs> fucking freak. But yeah. Anyway, like uh, thumbs up all round, do right, guys. Is that where we're heading. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it makes me not want to go on a fucking long car journey though. This guy, he's gonna be jumping at any truck in future. He's like. Ugh. He may never drive again. No, he's not. He'll never drive again. He'd he'd just start taking planes and stuff or trains. You go on the train, love. It's going to be hours. You know how long the train takes. Well, the train was in on it. You can't catch a train. Oh my god! Yeah, the train. That'll be the sequel. That should have been the sequel. How could a train? You get can't get away from a train, even though some like. Sorry, you, you like you should be able to escape a train easier than a truck because it's on a rail. But I imagine but it keeps trapping him in the toilet and stuff like that. <laughs> Shutting the, the, all those fucking doors that slide open when you're taking a shit, but lock you in when you want to leave. <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, uh, I think that's enough, right, guys? Surprised we got this much out of "Man is Chased by Truck." Like, there's not. Yeah, there's a lot in there. Yeah, it's good. It's good. It's good work. That's the thing. Twenty-one and handing this in as your first feature film. Of course, you're the world's greatest director. What a piece of shit! Like, how can you be twenty-one and make a really great, low-budget premise, on time, on budget, fucking blow people's socks off, and and, really and have directed a Columbo? What a prick! Yeah, that's really why you're not fond of the late films because you're like you fucking bastard. <laughs> the episode of Columbo. <laughs> No, no, he did. He did the the first ever episode of Columbo, and then off the back of that, got to do this. Basically, he made a few. I think he was a TV director for a little bit there. He, he was just suckling on the teat of cameras from the get go. That's all. Yeah. He was born into cinema and uh, stayed there, molded by it. Yes. Anyway, that's yeah. Like I say, enough. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. Dual two cut truck. Tuck, tuck. <laughs>
truck tails. Woo! <laughs> truck tails. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> cuck truck. Riding on the cuck truck. Boop, boop. <laughs> hey, little car. <laughs> you seen a load like this? Mm. Uh, I hate you. Yeah. <laughs>